Welcome to Relatable. This is your host, Teresa Freeman. My guest today is Beth Johnson, CEO and owner of RP3 Creative Agency. What a gift. I could have talked with her for hours. An interesting peek into the world of advertising. Beth is equal parts hardworking, determined, humble, and genuine. As you listen, you can't help but be inspired and learn important tips on how to embody these critical success factors and characteristics. Please enjoy this episode. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thank you so much for doing this with me. I really appreciate it. Of course. We are friends uh, for a long time and met through a mutual friend, a mutual colleague, Stephanie. And um, But it's been a while since we've gotten together and hung out. And so I'm really appreciative of this opportunity to talk to you about your journey as it relates to your professional life and hear a little bit about your background and some of the things that have come um, to fruition for you as you've um, lived out your path. And so um, I was talking to you before about Relatable and how the purpose of this is to really help inspire, educate, and inform people about what it's really like um, to live the journey and to, uh, it's not always a straight path. It's not always exactly what we think it's going to be. And there's certainly challenges along the way. So I'd like to give our listeners an opportunity to hear about all the different types of jobs that are out there, first of all, because not everybody's aware of that. Mm-hmm. And then what are some of the things that um, can help people drive towards that goal in terms of the different roles and opportunities? And then also what are some of the gifts and things that you've learned along the way? Great. So I appreciate your time. Of course. Uh, can we just start with a little bit of background, where you grew up and um, where, you know, what your situation was like, like a little bit of um, the drive to, I think you went sure. to Mason, right? So tell me a little bit about I did. That. So I grew up in southeastern Virginia um, in Chesapeake, and I was raised by a single mom. Uh, and I would just say that uh, we had, you know, a very simple um, upbringing. I have an older brother and a younger sister. I had a lot of responsibility when I was growing up because my mom was single and she worked to support our family. And we had some pretty tough times uh, to make ends meet. Uh, It was not easy on her. And so I stepped up at a really young age. I think that's kind of where my work ethic came from Mm. uh, because I worked really hard um, to take care of my sister, to take care of our family, to help my mom out. And I think that was really the foundation for just being a hard worker at a young age. And um, because I grew up in a, you know, pretty, um, you know, kind of, difficult circumstances financially, I I always had the path that, or had the mindset that I wanted to do something with my life that would give me, you know, financial stability. That was a real um, source of, of my drive. Uh, and so I always knew that I wanted to go to college because I was the first person in my family to ever go to college. Wow. So it was a real, it was an amazing feat that my mom somehow was able to help me get there. Did you have a lot of jobs in high school or as a young adult? I did. Um, I, you know, I worked at a very young age, not just babysitting and taking care Mm -hmm. of my sister. I always joke around. I was the first person that I've ever heard of as a 12-year-old who had a a baby seat on her bike. And I, I was going around town taking my sister through, you know, everywhere she went with me. I took care of her. She's nine years younger than I. Um, but I actually, you know, so I worked babysitting a lot when I was growing up and then I started um, just, you know, getting real jobs when I was 15 and I had worked ever since. I mean, I don't think there's ever been a day in my life that I didn't have a job. So <laughs> that's pretty amazing. And would your like, what was the relationship with your mom like? Were you close? Oh, very close. Yeah. My mom is an amazing uh, success story, actually. I mean, uh, she was raised by 
um, two very loving uh, parents. My grandparents, uh, my grandfather's deceased, but my grandmother's still alive. She's 94. Um, but, you know, they, you know, they didn't have the benefit of education. They didn't even finish high school. They were um, farm laborers in, right. uh, in North Carolina. So they moved to Virginia for a better life and they had my mother and, and her sister. And so uh, my mom had a pretty tough upbringing herself. So for her to be able to, um, you know, just instill in me the importance and the value of education and to support my quest to do that was really an amazing thing. And she actually went on to, um, she, you know, she got, uh, she had my brother when she was in high school, then had me, and then my sister came later. But my mother went on from, you know, really um, getting her first job when I went, when my father left, <laughs> to be honest. Um, and she started her career, like I think, as a, a TV repair clerk. And then she went on to work at many, many different jobs to support our family. She got her real estate license, and that was a transformational experience for her. She she later went on to buy her, the company that she had worked for, wow. and now she's just this amazing success story. But um, And so I think I had that as a role model, and I was so lucky to have such an amazing mom who worked so hard to kind of change the trajectory of what our family could have been. Just having that person, yeah. right? Sometimes I think you just need yeah, one person. Yeah, you just need a person. Yeah. And my mom always believed in me. And yeah. so I always felt like, you know, not only did I, do I owe that to her, you know, to try to do my best and work hard. And, you know, that's, you know, that was always instilled in me. So I feel very grateful. Did your other siblings go to college? Like after, my sister did. So after, so after I did, my sister, whom I, I credit myself, like, <laughs> yes. I, yes. you know, I had a, a role it's in your legacy, in her. right? Yeah. Yeah. So I came up to George Mason. And the reason I selected Mason is that um, I had a job in Northern Virginia. I had to stay in Virginia and I wanted to keep my job. So I moved up here, went to Mason. Um, then, uh, you know, I graduated from Mason. Then years later, my sister came up to Mason, and now she still lives here. And wow. So, yeah, so she did go to college so as well. So while you're in college, did, well, let me ask a question just about high school, too. Mm -hmm. um, were you studious? Were you, because you had that yes, goal, were you very, very much? Very, yep. just, and that was the goal that drove you? Like, you had yep. a very specific... Yep. I, I knew that I wanted to... You know, I wanted to be honest. I wanted to get out of Chesapeake, right. <laughs> and I right. wanted and I wanted an education. I wanted to go to college. I really wanted to have that life for myself. So I was very, at an early age, I kind of adopted that mentality that I was going to work hard. And you know, I I thought I was lucky that you know I think I was a bright kid. So um, did it come you know, easy little to you? Things, well, I will say little things clued me in that you know, hey, I'm a smart person. Like I remember. Um, having, you know, not really coming from a family that valued education necessarily, that, you know, I would, um, you know, hear from teachers or, you know, the gifted and talented, mm -hmm. if you remember that program, yeah. uh, I remember, you know, bringing the note home to my mom saying, look, they, you know, they put, put me in this program. That means I'm, so I got it in my head that I could do it. And that's really, you know, so I just, I just worked hard. I worked hard all the way through school, and I, I actually graduated with over a 4.0. Um, but you know, went to college, had you know, yeah, again that work ethic, a good experience, yeah, good experience. Did you um, know then, as you were getting ready to graduate, like what was your degree in? What, what did you did you have? Yeah, I well, interests? like many, I I. I I thought I knew what I wanted to do. And okay. what I would say to your <laughs> listeners is yes. that, you know, you don't have to know. And I, I thought I knew I ended up doing something different, but uh, my original intention was I wanted to be a journalist. And I, my first job, uh, you know, outside of babysitting was at a radio <laughs> station. And I remember, you know, I, I ran the Casey Kasem countdown. I, I worked remember on the promotions. Casey Kasem countdown. I, you know, I worked on a sports talk show. I did all kinds of odd jobs for the radio station and I interned at a TV station and I, I really admired the, you know, all the, the broadcast journalists. Mm -hmm. And I really, I had this curiosity about people and I wanted to hear their stories and I wanted to do investigative journalism. So that was the path that I was pursuing, and I um, had worked for an NBC affiliate that had an opportunity for me up here in D.C., which is why I wanted to be uh, near D.C., so George Mason was the obvious place. 
and um, and I actually pursued that for a while, but very quickly determined that that really wasn't the right industry for me. I, I graduated from Mason with a communications degree. I did all my internships in journalism and broadcast. I, I worked at CNN, did all these various things. And in the end, once I got there, I just felt like, you know, I was looking at the people that I reported to and what they did every day. And I remember observing just how unhappy the culture was mm. in that industry at the time. And I think there are many challenges in that industry that, you know, yes. exist today. But at the time it was daunting for me. And I remember um, thinking, gosh, I don't want to be like her, that boss, you know, when, yeah. when I, I grow up, I, I don't, I don't want to do that. And that was a big pivot for me. And so I remember I, I, I got, I mean, after college, I, you know, I had been at CNN and then I waited tables. I swear. I just like, I need to, just knew I need to take a step back because I didn't want to pursue that path. It wasn't making me happy. And I think, you know, I always feel like in life, you really, if you focus on your heart and do the things that make you happy every day, over time, that will guide you to yeah. the place that you're meant to be. And so I wasn't happy in that industry, even though it was everything, it was my narrative that I had built for myself. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm going to do. I did all these internships. I was so devoted well, to you're it. Very, like, if you were very goal-oriented, yes. it seemed like you achieved when you set a goal. You achieved it. You said, so then... Yep. To have that be very specific and think yep. you know. And then to end up waiting tables. Yes. And and what happened was I, I I met a couple when I was waiting tables and they had a market they had a, a software company and they offered me a job in their marketing department. And that mm -hmm. led me into the business that I'm in today. Right. Which you know, I, I just took the job because I was like, I don't want to wait tables. I have a college degree, I want to do something <laughs> with it. But and so I ended up working in marketing. That's obviously a foundation for what I do now. Um, and and I was there for a couple years. I uh, we hired a creative agency um, who ended up being my boss for 16 years. And so Is I met him. I fell in love with that aspect of my job. Like r working with the agency was the best part of my day the best part of my week and when I would get to be with them I was like this is what I love doing and I just I felt it in my heart and I didn't know how I was going to get there but I knew that's what I wanted to do so I ended up you know making that bold move of asking this man who had started an agency and had been in the advertising business for many years I asked him if he would if he would meet with me and just to learn from him just an informational right. interview so and so he did and it turned out that he needed someone on the team and, and he hired me that is amazing. and it was just this amazing thing and that was the beginning of my career as it is today so really quick I want to talk about that I want to talk about what your role is now but what's interesting about that story that I think is so important for people to hear is that you took a moment to reevaluate and you also talked about culture and yeah. I think recognizing culture, the culture that you want to be a part of. If yes. you if you're in something and it doesn't feel right in your bones or this doesn't yep. feel even after everything you had done to make it in that world, right? You had already accomplished quite a bit, it sounds like. And to be able to that delayed gratification of I'm gonna step mm -hmm. back and I'm gonna really do this environmental scan and figure out, I think is extremely insightful for someone so young. I think you, you know, I always encourage my kids and, and my employees here to listen to your inner voice, really listen yeah. to your inner voice, because if you are receptive to it, it will often lead you in the right direction. Um, but it's scary. You know, that yes. I remember that being a scary time for me, you know, not knowing that uncertainty of what you're going to do with, with your life. And, and and I think you and I were just talking before we started the podcast, but pressure today, I think, yeah. to know, um, I think so, is a disservice to people because you, it's through experience and through trying different things and through mm -hmm. failing and through all of the, that I think of them as gifts is how yeah. you figure it out to get to that inner voice. And so depending on how open you are to that, I think is really important. 
So, okay, so today you are now the owner, right, and CEO mm -hmm. of RP3, yep. which is an advertising agency, mm -hmm. correct? So tell me a little bit about, you You mentioned how that began. So you met this, and so you initiated a conversation or a meeting with him. Yes, with the, uh, uh, Dan Rosenthal, who's founding a, a new agency at the okay. time. So he had been at many different agencies. He was very well established in the advertising business. He was a creative genius and I really admired him and as he was starting this new company he needed support and he offered me a job and so I came in as the third full-time hire of his agency and it turned out that he was a great boss mm -hmm. and a great mentor. Which you couldn't have, did you know that? Like, how did I you... did know that I admired him. Yeah. I knew that he was brilliant. I knew that, I mean, he was, you know, he was, I, I had gotten to know him well enough to observe that he's the kind of person that I would want to work for and had the qualities that I was looking for. And it was a little, it was, yeah, I think people from the outside were kind of questioning a bit because it was, it was three of us. So it's like, why don't you know? You right. went from CNN to this marketing company that it was thriving, to working with a guy in a room. <laughs> that right. was what I did. Right. But it turned out that I I actually stayed working for him. We grew the business, and I I worked for him for almost sixteen years, which I think in today's world is unheard of. But I will say there is a lot to be gained from longevity in the workplace and being committed to an organization if you believe in it and right. if the culture is good and if you feel like your contrib contributions are being valued. And I was in a position where I really felt all those things were working. And not to say that we didn't have tough times because growing a business led by a creative person was not always easy. Um, I definitely learned some things the hard way, right. um, but I, I stayed there and I'm really glad I did because we built a great agency. Um, it turned out in the end um, that he had gotten to the point where he had stopped investing. Our business is changing all the time. He had really stopped investing in the business and we needed to evolve the agency. He wasn't in a position where he was in that mindset. You know, he was in his 60s, he wanted to retire. I was at the beginning, yeah, I, I had a vision for wanting to grow. And so those kind of um, visions were at odds with one another. And in 2008, 2009, the economy was really yes. taking a downturn. And so um, the agency, uh, while I was running the operations side, he was still running the financials and he was the sole owner and CEO. And it turned out that we were not in good financial um, shape. And so uh, I'll never forget this day, June 12th, talk about a speed bump in your career. June 12th, 2009, he called me into his office, 16 years after I've been you know, committed to him and this business. And he said, we're closing the company today. And he literally fired every single person on the staff that day. So How it many people was it then? It was you probably know? like 30 people. And he literally- And you had no idea this was happening. I knew I knew that the business was in trouble, that we had been through some rocky times. I thought we would scale back and, you know, I knew that the business was not in the healthiest place. Um, the economic conditions were really tough, if you remember. Yes. The recession was awful during that time. So it was, um, so, it, but his reaction to it was a shock. So I wasn't prepared for that as the... The reaction especially because we still had clients that needed us I mean they were dependent on us and so it was a defining moment in my life I mean you know coming in one day losing your yeah. job having to bring everybody in the business together in the conference room and tell them that you know there's no severance it, it was an awful way to end what was a great company and I I was um, very distressed and upset, but it ended up being a blessing for me in disguise because uh, from that, you know, I kind of made a decision at that time that, you know what, <laughs> I'm going to start my own business. And I had a business plan in my head because I'd been pushing him mm. toward it. And all of a sudden it occurred to me that, hey, I can do this on my own. I, I, and so 
I remember saying to everyone in the conference room that you know each and every person needed to do what was right for them at the time and you know if they you know that I would help them with their resumes or help them find a job or anything I could do to help them but that even though there was we weren't getting paid I was going to come back the next day and help our clients through this transition and it was this amazing thing because the next day every single person in the company came to work wow. it was just such a powerful you know moment for me and a vote of confidence that you know that that people would follow my leadership and so that was the impetus to starting RP3 and I literally wrote him a check I remember for my computer and my chair and I put the computer on the chair and I rolled it to the elevator and pressed the down button and on the floor ben below us was uh, one of those now they have we work but at the time yeah. it was Regis and I literally went in and said I need an office and I started the business that day and that so is amazing yeah. and so where did you get and maybe you can't, I don't know if you know, the, like where did you get the confidence, the kind of gumption to do that? Do you, <laughs> like, how it's would you describe question. that? Um, I think I've always been resilient. Yeah. And I would say that from, maybe comes from my childhood and, and some of the issues, the, the financial struggles that we faced growing up and things like that. So, and I'll be honest, part of me just, it was kind of a, the notion that I just have to keep going, mm -hmm. keep on keeping on. You know, I, I didn't want it. We had been, Dan, my former yeah. boss had been talking about selling the business, and I knew in my heart that I didn't want to work for a holding company in New York. Right. So it just felt like the right thing to do. And I think if I had overanalyzed it, yeah. and if I had sat back and took the time to really map out a smart business, I don't know that I would have ever done it, right? Right. It was literally just jumping without a net. <laughs> well, and I think the other thing you said that I really, I really, it makes a lot of sense to me, and I think it's a great lesson, is that your first concern, or maybe maybe first was like, what am I going to do? But second was to your clients, oh. and this idea that sometimes you can drive hard when it's an act of service for something else. Yeah. Sometimes I find it's harder when it's just you and you're trying to do something that's just self-serving, mm -hmm. but the fact that you were concerned about these relationships and that these commitments right. mattered to you and this idea of integrity and hard work, it seems like... And the people, you know, yes, I felt, like I felt responsible. a great loyalty yeah. to our employees and our clients. And the hard thing is that, you know, my business plan was different than what his had been. And so this, the composition of the staff I needed was different. So I had to be really honest with everyone and say, look, I am going to start my own agency. And when I get clients, and I'm going to push for them as soon as I can. I'll be posting jobs. But I went through a disciplined process of hiring the talent. Many of them came from that agency, but not all. Mm -hmm. So I had to be honest with myself, too, that you know I had to do what was right by the business. And that is sometimes difficult because relationships are so important and it's so personal. And you really... Um, you do feel very committed to the people with whom you work every day. Right. But there's also the need to sometimes take a step back and look at what's right for the business and for the client. And in the end, that's what's right for the people. Right. So I think that has been a good lesson, just as a, a CEO lesson that I've had to learn that, you know, you, you, my, my ultimate job is to, is, is to do what's right. And oftentimes that is exactly what's right for the clients and for the people well and I think your industry and this is again I don't I am not uh, well educated in the space of mm -hmm. advertising and the industry but I do know outside looking in it has this very sexy attractive <laughs> like everybody if you think about marketing majors and and you know there's way more marketing majors than there are opportunities in terms of this type of industry, at least that's my sense, is that it's really competitive and there's a lot yeah. of great talent. So as you talked about that, like what's right for the business and what are these opportunities, what have you found if you're somebody that's looking to pursue a career in advertising, what have you found to be differentiators for those types of candidates? Like what are the things that you, now you've been at this for a yeah. while, you probably have some themes that you've seen 
that are not only skills, that's a huge part of it, but what are the things that really help people be successful and maintain that? That's a great question. Um, I will say that there are a couple things that come to mind. Um, one is just intellectual curiosity. Be curious about everything. Yeah. The basis of what we do, we're a creative agency. So we work across a lot of different industries and we have to tap into what matters to consumers and what's happening in popular culture. So just being a well-versed, curious person who reads, yeah. who listens to podcasts, who is seeking learning and growth makes you a good candidate for this type of industry. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, um, I would say more like interpersonally, learning to be open-minded and a good listener. Listening skills are so, so critical in, in many businesses, mm -hmm. but in ours, the ability to sit down and really hear a client, like what's happening in their business, how to translate that into the work that we do. Um, the skills that are required in listening are, are just critical. Being able to give and receive feedback in an open way. Um, creative, I know there is a science behind what we do. Um, there's a lot of data and a lot of insight that goes into the work. There's also a creative part, which can be subjective. Mm -hmm. So. If you're interested in the, this, this business, you have to learn to, to listen and receive feedback in an open-minded way and to um, be willing to adapt. Um, this, is, this is an industry that's, that is changing every day. It's rapid fire change. So right. I started RP3 10 years ago now, and the business that we operate today is incredibly different than what I started. It changes so fast. So you have to be willing and you have to like working in a state of change. Right. If you're the kind of person who, who just wants to be, you know, in a structured process oriented environment. Repeatable. Repeatable, like task oriented. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not the right industry for you because yeah. you're constantly changing and learning and growing. And that's what I love about it, that you learn something new every day. I mean, we work on clients across so many different industries. So it's really nice like that you, you I, I always, I feel like being a lifelong learner is one of the joys in life yeah. as you age. You know, you've learned a lot. And so I love that about our industry, that one day we're, we're working on freight rail, and then the next day we're working on <laughs> real estate, and the next yeah. day we're working on, you know, giant food, grocery. And it, you know, no day is like the day before. So it, it's, that's the, it's wonderful, but the skills it takes um, to be able to adapt to change and pivot and shift gears, yeah. you know, those are things that you get through life lessons and, you know, going through school and juggling a lot of different classes and a lot of different clubs and being open to new things and, you know, those kinds of things. So you touch on a few things that really resonate with me and uh, my passion for development in young professionals, particularly in the area of soft skills when you talk about interpersonal communication and active listening. And I think active listening, if, if I could, <laughs> I mean, it is such a um, critical and game-changing skill. And I totally agree with you that there's a difference between listening to someone, understanding what they're saying, and then executing on that. Yeah. Active listening is a very different skill that is you divorcing your own agenda, your own needs, your your input. If for you, it sounds like even your own creativity, mm -hmm. right, you have to, in order to get all of the information. Mm -hmm. And so I think with the current landscape of on-demand information and being constantly bombarded and consuming, mm -hmm. it's even more critical to take just a minute and t and like test your own thinking have people around you yeah. that will test it and poke holes because yeah. you don't need yes people right you need people that are going to really yeah. challenge you and then yeah. to to thrive and it sounds like in advertising but in most businesses you need to have that vulnerability and that openness mm -hmm. and then be able to deliver exactly and 
You know, just another thought that popped yes. in my head when you were talking is um, one of the core values of the agency um, that we talk about in at RP3 mm-hmm. is seek the good. So in in business, there's often conflict, right? right. I mean, it, it uh, some of the best work comes out of tension, comes out of different points of view coming together. Mm-hmm. So that, of course, underscores the need for active listening because you want to benefit from those points of view and, like you said, divorce yourself from the agenda. But seeking the good has is a more nuanced perspective on that um, because out of that conflict can sometimes come hurt feelings or, right. you know, um, you know, um, tension that feels negative or, or um, personal. So one of the ways that I feel like I've persevered in my life is just seeking the good in people, in ideas, in um, different points of view, and helping draw that out in others. And if you can look at a situation that could be perceived as you know, tense or you know, toxic, and you can find the good and build up yeah. from there, build an idea, build on someone's idea versus tear it down. That to me, that whole orientation helps you be successful in any business. Yeah. That's something like it's even on the wall out there. You know, yeah. we talk about spreading the good because it is so part of the fabric of this company about how we work and how we create ideas together, how we build them up rather than tear them down. And I think to be to have that mindset and to be a contributor to that. Some of it is just as simple as coming to work with a positive attitude. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> right. That's everything. Right. Right. Yes. I mean, just having that openness and the positive spirit is, I swear, like, you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Be positive. Right. And Seek willing. The good and right. willing and yeah. open, and good things will happen. So you touched on something, and I don't want to embarrass you, but I'm going to a little bit. Uh, So you talked about this culture of seeking good and being open, and so you've been awarded several awards, right, in in the D.C. area for your exemplary work, both as a businesswoman and in a philanthropic way. And so I'm curious, as you started in your rental space, Mm -hmm. and you started, you know, RP3, how intentional were you to create that thread of community in your work and what are some of the things um, that drove you in terms of creating your own culture mm-hmm. and, and how intentional were you about yeah. that very much uh, it was it was a the the first mission statement we wrote for the agency was around that very notion of wanting to do great creative work that mattered in the mm-hmm. world that actually had an impact on people's lives. So at the very inception of RP3, we we wanted to find client partners who valued more in their businesses than just shareholder value. Just the metrics that most people look at, like revenue and mm-hmm. sales and leads, and all those things are critically important to our clients. But we intentionally wanted to work with organizations that knew, that knew that they have a higher purpose, that being in business is also a responsibility um, to your employees and to your community uh, to do good with with that work. And so that was absolutely part of the fabric of our agency and it has remained that way and it has manifested itself in a lot of different ways that I'm proud of. Yeah. Um, I, I have to owe that to my, my mom. She was such and is such a philanthropist and kind of taught me the importance of, you know, giving back in the community. Um, but for us, it's, it's something that we live here in the agency. Um, we actually invest in, in, uh, in many different nonprofit organizations, but even more importantly, um, try to find opportunities where we can use our talent to have an impact um, on the community. And so that manifests itself in a lot of different ways, whether it's, you know, we fund karma days for our employees to take leave so that they can give back. We, you know, I sit on boards of nonprofits and 
um, have contributed in that way. And then we do work for organizations that um, we believe in. So whether it's, you know, the Girl Scouts, we just right. launched a campaign for yeah. them. Or, um, you know, the Women's Foundation, which obviously yeah. I have a personal connection to since I was raised by a single mom. So that was like a source of great passion, um, yeah. you know, for me. Um, so it, it, I feel really uh, lucky and grateful um, that there are so many amazing philanthropic leaders that we can connect with and support in this community. And equally as grateful for our clients who who do share our values. So it, and, and all the people here really believe in that and it's become such a core part of the culture. So I'm really happy about that. I think that's so inspiring on a lot of different levels that you can practice your expertise, you can uh, be, you can be a big earner, right? You can have mm -hmm. all of the, you know, what appeals to people as it relates to business performance and success, but also, very consciously integrate yeah and, and it's I don't I mean I don't want to say it's entirely unusual but I I it I seems a little becoming, unusual I think it's fortunately and this is where you know I love young people and their energy and the way they approach the world yes. and I, I really think that fortunately they're demanding that now from employers so I would say maybe we yeah. were early adopters of this mindset but I love that the workforce our employees are intentional about that. They look for that in a company yeah. that where they want to work. And I really value that in our culture. And so I just, I feel like it's a wonderful thing. And I, we, in this world that we live in, especially in the DC area, I mean, we are such a generous community. Americans are generous. I mean, really, it's just amazing how generous Americans are. And I love that about you know, this country. I mean, there are many things that I think we could all point right. to that we want to be different, but right. I think at our core, we are a generous public and I love that. And I think we do have a responsibility um, as business leaders to find, to help people find that intersection between doing good and good business. And that in that lies so much potential to heal the world well and you have to do like I think I hear a lot of people talk about wanting to do things right or wanting to invest or wanting to spend their time in that way but they're not really doing it it's a yeah. lot of talk and I feel like based on what I've read about you but also just what you're talking about here that intention it's, yeah. it's happening but you have to do it right you have to seek it yeah. out you have to spend your time you 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 have a family and you have a lot of responsibilities, yeah. but you're making choices of where you're spending your time. Yeah, and I think um, it, it, that's all very true. Uh, but I think, you know, it's, it's rewarding in so many ways. Yeah. And while the growth of our company has been really one client at a time, we've never had sale, a sales force or anything right. like that. It's just been one, I think, all of the work that we've done in the community has mattered and has somehow, you know, yeah. resulted in, you know, a win-win for right. us and for the organizations and for the, the clients with whom we work. So I, I feel like it's, um, it's, it's been a blessing for us, really. Um, and some of the work that I'm proudest of is the work that we've done that we haven't even gotten paid for. You know, right. and yes. in fact, our first client was the Women's Foundation, and they didn't pay us. We did it for free. So you know, I mean, sometimes, yes. just, yeah, yeah. Just, just show doing, up. If you just if you do work that you believe in, just I think it good, follows, good right? things. Good things happen. So let's talk a little bit. You mentioned it um, as you were talking about just how it's changed from when you know you were a, a new talent. In, in the profession, how has the landscape changed? What are the things that um, either were big learnings for you or just, you know, my my version, I think a little Mad Men, <laughs> yeah. right? My version of this, of this industry is competitive. It's sort of cutthroat. So I'm curious, is that still the case? Like what, what has changed? I know you, mm -hmm. you are boutique in a sense that, and you've been very intentional and specific, but I'm curious about your perspective on that? Yeah, well, the the industry has changed dramatically. Yeah, um, and obviously, and digital yes. and, and mobile phones and the way podcasts and the way consumers interact with brands is completely different today than it was 
five yeah. years ago and five years before that, and tomorrow it'll be even different, so even more different. Yeah. So it changes all the time. So we are in a profession that constantly adapts to that change. So, um, and that that has changed our business model and our structure as an agency. So, um, so the skill sets that I needed before, when you know we could we could create a TV spot and a radio campaign and some print ads and pat ourselves on the back, right? And say, look what we did, it's great. Now it's it's obviously um, very analytics driven and we're, we're um, getting real time feedback to our work and and consumers themselves are, you know, they have microphones, so they are the biggest ambassadors for mm-hmm. uh, their the brands that they do business with. So um, the, it's a lot more complex. And can you even manage that? How do you, you can't necessarily manage like you can manage and control what you produce and put out yeah. there, but how do you? Yeah. Well, there's a for the, yeah. I mean, there's a, a methodology, but I would say that yeah. the, at the core of it, um, you know, just helping a client capture the why behind yeah. their organization and express that in a consistent and compelling way, and leverage that for business value at the very core of what we do that has remained the same. And that's very powerful if you know if, if you can do that well, that's the strategic planning part of what mm-hmm. we do. And um, then connecting it with the audiences is, you know, the toolbox is huge, right? right. <laughs> so, right. Um, and, and that takes a, a strong collaboration with our clients. So it, definitely the landscape has changed um, and, and, you know, it, it takes, um, again, that, just listening, uh, not just listening to each other, but listening to consumers right. and responding real time. I mean, you know, there's so many examples of great moments that have happened for brands that were spontaneous because a marketing team was doing what they were supposed to do right. and listened, you know, right. like if you remember Oreos and yeah. the Super Bowl, right? I mean, there's so many great examples of that. So um, it's just, it is, that's what's fun about the business though, that it's not static. And so for people who like to be learning mm-hmm. all the time, they have that intellectual curiosity. Yeah. It's just a great environment to work in. You just reminded me of something of an, another interview that we had around this idea of being curious, constantly curious, but also um, working at your craft and being as smart as you can be as it relates to your craft. And and you talked about it a little bit before about staying current, but what are some of the things that you do or your perspective, whether it's rituals or whatever you want to call it, um, what are some of the things that you can share with about that? Well, it's funny, one of our, another value in the agency um, that we talk about or behaviors that we look for in yes. people, we call it future-proofing yourself. That's what okay. we say, you have to future-proof yourself. And so um, what we do a couple things organizationally to support that. One is we are a learning culture. So we have lunch and learns at least twice a month, if not every week. So we are constantly seeking insights from the outside. So. You know, just being a student mm-hmm. of culture and the industry, I cannot tell you how important that is. I mean, um, you know, subscribe to a, a daily news feed, subscribe to newsletters, read them, take time, intentional time to educate yourself about what's going on in the world. That is a critical piece. We also fund a professional development um a program for all of our employees um, and it is it is uh, led by the employee so we give them a budget and they can use it for whatever professional development or learning that they want to accomplish it has to be approved but, right um, so I think being in an organization that values um, professional growth yeah if I were a young person that would be a criteria that I'm looking for right. in my employer because we all want to learn and grow so we've, we actually put a methodology around that and people here do everything from, you know, they take classes, they go on trips and they report back. I mean, anything that's going to help you learn and grow in your professional, in, in your path and in your career here is something that we will fund for you. And, um, and it's, it's really enriched the culture because yeah. people learn and then they teach other people. So just it be has a like student, a, a yeah. lifelong learner and 
good thing, no matter what industry you're in. Yeah. But in ours, it's particularly important, right? Yes. So, so yeah. we, we actually put, um, so those are the, uh, so I take advantage of those things. I go to seminars, even when I want to go home and put my feet up on the couch, sometimes I'll be like, gosh, I need to go, you know, I, I want to go to this talk. It was, it's such an interesting topic. I want to learn about that. So I'll, I make time in my schedule to learn. I mean, it is very intentional and I am an avid podcast listener. So I am always trying it's to listen. It's such a great way. It is Not so to, great. To, when you, it's mean, such a great way to get DC, information as we're commuting. commuting. Yeah. Like whether you're on the metro yeah. or you're driving, I listen to podcasts and I have a litany of them yeah. and I listen and I learn and I try, you know, I, I just try to stay as plugged in as I can. So I'm pretty disciplined about that. I think it's such a great idea and also when everyone's busy and every most companies and organizations have learning hours and have opportunities but people are not availing themselves because they're so busy and so you have to be the one to drive schedule and it set those boundaries yep and and, and you know yeah, put it in your schedule put in your calendar an hour that you are gonna read right and learn yeah I'm telling you if you are disciplined about it you can make time in your schedule it's just if you really think about the time that you waste on yes. your phone scrolling through Facebook which <laughs> is a whole nother yeah, thing that we should talk about it's like the so importance true. of in business be present yeah. Put your phone away. Be present in the meetings that you're in, in the conversations with other people. That, I think, is some advice that I would give all young people. You know, it's, it's transformative. It is. I was just I'm working with an organization. We're doing some instructional videos, and there was a piece on when you have an exchange with another professional, just walking up to someone and you putting your phone down. Now we've created a situation where you know that I respect your time and that I'm engaged. Just, we haven't even said anything yet. Yes. I just put my phone down. And then there's other ways, whether you're leaning in or you're repeating back what someone's told you that mm -hmm. says your time is worthwhile and you're more productive. Yes. Just in, it's a five minute meeting, right? Yes. If it, it's so to your point of being aware of it, and, yeah. and it's a behavior change because it's hard. There's a lot of distractions. So you have to be conscious about it for yeah. sure. Yeah. It, it, I think, you know, the mobile phone has, it has had such a dramatic <laughs> yes. impact on culture. If you look at, you know, depression statistics and yes. teenagers, there's a correlation, an uptick when the mobile phone came out and teenagers started becoming more depressed. And yes. I think there's so many reasons for that. I mean, certainly, looking at other people's lives through the lens of their perfect scenario yes. on social media is one aspect of it. But I also think it's just a distraction. So you really don't ever have deeper thoughts because you're just constantly at this surface level, like interacting with social media and these small snippets and sound bites. And um, I, I, I wish that people would put their phones away and and kind of go off social media for at least a period of time to see what that impact is on their lives. Yeah. And my and kids I, have done it and yeah. it has been dramatic. So we just took a vacation. There was a big group of us um, where we had between us 16 kids. And I suggested to all the parents that we take phones away from nine to five every day, all day. And um, I was surprised that even some of the parents were resistant. Yeah. And I mean, I was shocked, quite frankly. And then the majority won. And so we took the devices and it made an entirely different experience yeah. um, for everyone to, to take that moment and to try to have a life experience versus, you know, not, technology's not all bad, but there's And boundaries. I bet the kids told you that it was they had much more fun. It was a more valuable experience for them because if you're always thinking about documenting a moment, you're not really yeah. experiencing the moment. And, yeah. the, and the thing is, if you're in a meeting and you're half listening and you're half on your phone, yes. you're not really contributing to the meeting. No. So I think there are some really valuable lessons in that little exercise you did. <laughs> well, and also, there's the thing that I would say too, if you're naturally inclined to be someone who executes on things, so 
for me to sit down and do blue sky thinking or to just be more strategic in my thinking or to read, not only do I have to structure my time, because I am more of an execution-oriented person, I have to forcibly mm-hmm. really focus and make that time. And it's not where I automatically lean. So you add technology to it and it almost right. feels insurmountable. Like, because there's just so much pulling at you to detract. Yeah. But you, ha- you know, in order to stay relevant and current and creative, I think you need that time for sure. Yes. Yes. Okay. So we don't have much time left. I'm interested in the work that you've done with young women and professional women. And what are some of the things that you're passionate about in that space? And if there was a message here that I'm sure you can't sum up everything, but just tell me a little bit about that, like what, what you're doing in that space and what you enjoy about it. Um, well, First of all, I, I feel really grateful that I have this amazing team of uh, my leadership team is, you know, strong women and great female role models uh, in the agency. And then in my life outside the agency, obviously, I've done a lot of work um, with women and girls and issues around that. Um, I would just say to sum it up, um, women tend to be very self-critical uh, and You know, one example of that that I see often in hiring women is that, you know, women, before they will apply for a job, they'll look at the job description and they'll say, okay, there are 10 requirements of this job description. I meet seven of them. Oh, I can't apply. Whereas a man will look at that same job description and he'll meet six of them and he'll be like, I'm the best candidate ever. (laughs) And he will position himself. So what I hope for women is that they find the confidence from within Mm -hmm. um, to position themselves for whatever they want to do. And I find that women hold themselves back all the time. The way they interact, sometimes, you know, the way they apologize. One of the things I say to so many in performances reviews, stop apologizing. Mm -hmm. Don't apologize. It, 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 it really is, I think, because we are so nurturing and we are much more emotional. Oftentimes, there's a, women tend to be emotionally intelligent, and that's a good thing, but it often manifests itself in this um, kind of subservient role. And so I, I guess I would say that, um, you know, certainly I've worked on many issues around economically vulnerable women and girls through my, you know, nonprofit mm-hmm. world and through the Women's Foundation, which is a great organization. Um, and there's been a lot of, of work there around early child care, you know, professional training, um, just helping women who, you know, who, who are vulnerable. But on a broader sense, um, I think, you know, just being, trying to be a good role model for the young women in my life, whether that's my two daughters Mm -hmm. or the women who work here or clients, just, you know, trying to, to be a good, a good role model for them. I would say that's probably the biggest thing I can do. Yes. And just encourage and support them. I love what you said about positioning yourself and using the right words to be able to articulate your value. Mm-hmm. and understand that those words have meaning and how do you do that in a way I think for a lot of people women in particular the the disingenuine it, it doesn't feel as genuine right, right. If, if I'm not if I don't fully believe it yeah and sometimes it's fake it till you make it and so figuring out ways and that takes practice so I'm a big believer when we talk about I talk a lot about brand value and brand management as it relates to yourself and I do a lot of coaching with professionals young professionals on that so that takes practice like Mm -hmm. saying out loud take 30 seconds and try to articulate out loud what your value is in a business context and it's hard yeah it's really hard to do it and to start thinking about what are your unique talents because each person is an individual yeah advocate for yourself I, I mean I'll be honest I was not a good advocate for myself when I worked for that the mm-hmm. male founder of that agency right. for many years, I felt like De- I deferential. I yeah. well, and and I diminished my value because I felt like, gosh, you know, I'm I'm raising my kids, so I wanted flexibility. So I thought, okay, I have to compromise, and I never really said. I I now realize how valuable I was to him all those years, and the impact that I had on his business. Uh, and while I think he appreciated me. 
I was not rewarded financially in the way I should have been. Mm-hmm. And I think I try to encourage women to advocate for themselves. And that doesn't always mean going into your boss and asking for a raise. Right. But it does mean being able to articulate your value in your performance reviews, being thoughtful about the tangible value that you are having on an organization, being able to express that is good practice anyway yes. in job interviews and in performance review situations. And I think it's a confidence boost to even reflect on the value that you're having. Because I think sometimes we're so busy, we're just going through life, we're getting the job done, yeah. we're multitasking, we're doing a million things. It's hard to take a step back and say, wow, you know, some one thing I practice personally every year is I write goal statements for myself every year and I measure them at the end of the year. I'm pretty disciplined about it. I do it in the business and I do it personally. And that has become a practice that has helped me craft my personal narrative about the impact that I've had uh, and and the things that I also want to achieve that have, you know, that I've yet to achieve. So that's something that I think all people can benefit from, just that reflection. Think, take time for yourself and think about your what you want to accomplish and measure. It's interesting about goals because people say if you don't write it down, it's not going to happen. So this mm-hmm. idea that, and I all, there's a lot now about um, putting your intent out into the universe or whatever and yeah. to you believe in that you need to be consciously articulating that and living t- towards that goal mm-hmm. in order for it to manifest and I feel like one of the great things about where we've arrived in terms of where we are right now is there's so much content out there now about that how you can do that how do you yeah. manifest what you want and be intentional about it yeah. so I think that's great I know. Imagine if we, when we were in college, if we had the internet. I know. It's like good and bad. I, don't, I know. You know. I know. A blessing. No but seriously, calls. like the continuing education is a lot yes. easier today than it was when we were growing up. You had to seek people out. Yes, true. Okay, so we're going to wrap up. But I do, um, I am curious, and I ask a lot of our guests this question because I'm hopeful that um, young professionals and young adults will listen or parents that have young adults will help send this message along. For you, as you think about your journey and you think about the things that you've had to overcome and the challenges, what advice would you give your younger self now that you're sitting in this position where you are? I would say that the biggest piece of advice is it's okay not to know. Mm -hmm. And it's okay to say I don't know. I actually am really impressed with young people who are willing to say, you know what, I don't know. Being vulnerable can be very powerful. Ask for help, ask a mentor to guide you. I have had so many people reach out to me for informational interviews or uh, for coaching, and I am always willing to do that. When When it can work in my schedule, I do it. If not, I find my colleagues who are willing to do it. But I feel like, especially with women, women want to help other women. They just do. Like, you know, lift while you rise, right? I mean, we all, I mean, look, women are underrepresented in leadership and corporations. I personally want to change that. So anything I can do to help a woman, I'm going to help. And I'll help young men, too. I don't want you guys to feel that I'm gender biased. But, But I think there is something very powerful in being okay with the unknown and being willing to be vulnerable, even in a work situation, it is far better to say, I don't know, I'll find out for you, than to try to, first of all, don't take on the pressure that you should know. When you're a young, I, I still, many times in meetings will say, you know what, I don't know the answer to that. And I now I'm comfortable enough to say it, but I remember when I was young, I was so afraid to say I didn't know something. Yeah. Oh, should I know? Maybe I should have known. Why, did, why don't I know this? It's okay to be vulnerable. And I think if you can get comfortable with that, that whole notion of, you know, trust the journey, just yeah. be, be vulnerable, be open, um, be willing to accept feedback, good things will happen and follow your heart. I mean, that's just, I know a lot of people talk about that, but yeah. I am a firm believer that if you are doing something you love at the core, yeah. good things will happen. Don't be in a job where you're really unhappy. It's yeah. just not worth it. So true. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. You've given us a lot to think about, so I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
Thank you for listening and thank you, Beth. After that conversation, I feel inspired to schedule more thinking time, maybe read a little bit more, and to be more intentional about my goals and what I want to achieve. And I challenge you to do the same. A special thanks to Missy, the producer of this episode. If you like this discussion, please subscribe and rate Relatable on iTunes and follow us on Twitter.